Hey guys, Brandon here. We'll get you to the show in just a second. And if you want to listen to that 90s baseball pod early and ad-free, make sure to sign up at patreon.com slash that 90s baseball pod. Subscribers at any level get the show as soon as it's created, early and ad-free. Now, for our sponsors, we have eParade, which is reasonably priced, trendy kitchenware. That's E-P-A-R-E dot com. Promo code 10T90BP10. So that 90s baseball pod, T90BP, with 10 on either side. Symbol.app, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot app, is the stock market for sports. If you use the promo code BENDER, you get a free week of Symbol Gold. Hinterland Coffee in Minnesota is a freshly roasted coffee experience every single week. Monthly subscriptions get 10% off. Go to hinterlandmn.com. Three-star sports cards, you can find them online or in person in Bloomington on Lindale Avenue or in Little Canada on Rice Street or threestarsportscards.com. And finally, Humility Chains. Royce Lewis's mom, Cindy, makes stylish, affordable chains and necklaces and bracelets that go, uh, the proceeds go directly to the Nigu Foundation to help children fighting cancer. So a portion, again, of those proceeds go to the Nigu Foundation to help children fighting cancer cancer more than 20 styles of chains and bracelets are available they're affordable they look great i'm wearing mine right now i highly recommend them it's humility chains on etsy so look up etsy and then search for humility chains and now on to your show Today it is another episode of that 90s baseball pod. I'm your host Brandon Warren and across the screen from me is Mr. Greg Olson. You can follow him on Twitter at G-R-E-G-G-O-L-S-O-N 30. How are we doing today man? We're doing good. How about you? Good, good and I hope people are watching this on YouTube because it's going to be a more of a a video feature. It's something I was thinking about kind of kicking around ideas. If this episode works, we'll probably do it as bonus content on our Patreon, you know, find a way to get some money out of people, which is, is important. We always want to find a way to compensate Mr. Olson for his time and maybe a little for me as well. But the idea is I've been going through my baseball cards here for the last eh, two weeks or so. I got some from a friend. He was just trying to get rid of them. And so Got a couple books of them, and yeah, exactly. I don't know why you would do that, but um, but it made me go through my collection as well, 
And so I separated them into guys who played for the Twins. So we, we probably won't run into any of yours in this game, but we'll see. Um, guys who played for the Twins, uh, the cards that I really like but may not be that valuable. And then the other and ones that are, are in like, um, you know, top loaders, like, uh, like this Randy Johnson rookie card here. So that's, uh, that's kind of a good one. But uh, we talked about in our first episode – your uh your first baseball card i think you said you and your girlfriend at the time went to a cbs like a half hour away and went and tracked it down so uh, cbs was probably a walgreens and yeah. uh yeah that girlfriend turned out to be my wife so it was uh you know pre-internet days so not quite sure how we got word that there, unless i was just patrolling uh walgreens every day during during the off season of my 88 year um, but baseball cards came in. I think I bought a box and, and, uh, went digging through them. And finally, I think I found one of my cards. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through my cards. I have a big box of them of just, uh, random cards. And then we're going to call it remembering some guys. And I will thumb through them. I will say the player's name. I might read some off the back. Uh, I might have a story of my own probably not as good as any of your stories, but uh, who, who knows? We'll see. Um, and just have fun with it. Now, do you have a favorite baseball card of yourself? Because it might be, maybe, maybe you were an insert card. Maybe you had a good picture. Maybe it was coming off a good year and your card is more valuable. I, for whatever reason, do you have a favorite card of yourself? Um, I got a couple stories on some cards. Okay. Uh, I, can I, can but, I, can I jump in for one? I was yeah. thumbing through my cards and I found a Greg Olson one that said, Greg Olson enjoys, uh, what was it? Relaxing playing Nintendo games. And I was like, Ooh, I got to ask him about that one. Yeah, no, that was a good one. Um, yeah. then we had, so my rookie year, 89, my, you know, this was, I think this was the last year that MLB had roommates. Mm. Um, you could pay the extra however much for the rest of the hotel room and get your own room, which, you know, the, the bigger guys did, but us guys, I think my rookie salary was $68,000. So I wasn't going to pay $3,000 for a hotel room by myself. So mm -mm. Jim Traber was my roommate and, um, Trabes and I, and we had a couple other guys. Bob Balacki would play Nintendo. We had a couple guys. And so whatever new video game came out, Traber and I would go at it. It would be, you know, some military, find everything, you know, go through the, the whatever. And, um, you know, went, beat the game. So the game's, you know, officially been beaten. And that was the only time we stopped playing it. So there was a, there was a couple times where we got, security called on us because it was three in the morning and we're just sitting there playing Nintendo. And then it was, that was it. I mean, it was, it was, there's a couple times where it was like, okay, it's four o'clock. We really got to go to sleep. Um, so you're playing like super Contra and all that, or, or yes, what are you playing? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Jackal was one of my favorites. You just true troll along the, the ground, like you're in the military and you're shooting out of a can out of a tank and you're rescuing these guys and you're, you're blowing up buildings and then rescuing guys, which is kind of counterintuitive because if you blow up a building, 
you're probably not rescuing anybody out of it, but um, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you're, you're, you're opening up doors for them to come out. Is sure. what you wish. By using yeah. the tank, you're blowing up a door. Sure. So was it regular Nintendo? Did it progress to Super Nintendo, Sega? Where, where did you, uh, I mean, by the time you retired, I suppose uh, PS2 was probably out at that point, but I don't know. Yeah. Late in your career, I don't know if you were still playing the games. I wasn't. I think I got to Sega. You know, it was a lot of golf. Yep. Uh, went to the Braves. Was, you know, all, all those guys, um, Lavin, Maddox, Merker, all those guys played the, the Sega golf. So we'd, you know, do a, a four-man tournament or something. Or uh, Mark Lemke would – Mark Lemke had never played before, so he got uh, got real caught up in the, the Sega hockey. Mm, yeah, NHL 95, probably. Yeah. That's a good game. And, uh, and, that was the first um, one I got for NHL. It was a great game. Yeah, so that was, that was pretty entertaining. So, they yeah, actually, that was my Nintendo stories. So, they actually have a cult following for NHL 94, which is considered the best of that series in that era. And it still continues to this day with updated rosters and that sort of thing. So, um, wow. yeah, I'm a video game guy myself. I'm sitting next to a PS5 that I've barely played since I got it in August, but... Um, been a little busy with work in this. Now we were, we were talking about your favorite cards and you said you had a couple of stories and I interrupted you. So, um, feel free to jump back into that. Well, the problem is I can't, uh, cannot think of the card. I can give you, I can give you a year, but I cannot think of the card itself. It wasn't tops. It wasn't Don Russ, uh, was not Fleer. So there's a couple other brands. I can't think of what it was, but there was one that had a picture of me with a beard. So it had to be going into the 93 season and my head was shaved. Oh. Um, and so if, if you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was a little thin on top and maybe it's 92. Billy Ripken and I were in spring training together and it was, it was hot and, and, Sarasota, for some reason, we were bored after practice and didn't leave the clubhouse. And he, uh, we got talking and it was like we both needed a haircut. So he found some shears and um, started on the top of my head. And Oof. you don't, you know, usually start on the side and see how everything looks. He started dead down the middle on the top and it was like a two or a one. And as soon as he did it, he just goes, oh, crap. There's no going back from that. Yeah, well, it was it was more of an oh shit, but it was oh crap. <laughs> and, um, I'm just like what? And he goes, um, "You can do you you can do my hair after this." Uh, and I was like, yeah, I kind of felt the top, and I was like, "Yep." So ended up with the shaved look, and uh, Billy had the same thing after that. So we can't talk about baseball cards without talking about the Billy Ripken F blank 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 face card. Um, when did that get back to him and what was the story around that? Because, uh, that's one of the fun, yeah, that's one of the funniest cards of all time. It has to be, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, one of the more iconic cards of all time, you know, it's not exactly Honus Wagner's, uh, T whatever, but it's, uh, it's pretty iconic. I never, I, I never found out how many were out there. It's, it's I'm rare. Not... It's rare. I would love to get my hands on one, but I don't think I want to pay what, it, what the, uh, the toll would be. Well, I mean, what it was it wasn't tops. Was it, it was Donruss? a Fleer, I think it was a Fleer, Fleer. Uh, eighty-eight. I think you said. 
it was 88. I yeah. know that. Um, I don't, uh, I, I'd like to know how many got out because uh, I'm curious that actually nobody caught that, you know? I'm, I'm looking it up right now. I'm sure this is making for uh, great, great radio. But well, um, I just found, I just found it funny. Everybody was like, "Oh, I, you know, I, I, I'm sure it's it's moved past it by now." But everybody was like, "89, oh, I guess, 89." Estimated PSA value, two thousand dollars. Wow. So, well, it was um, eighty-eight. It was eighty-nine. Was picture, it? Eighty-eight picture for eighty-nine, probably. Yes. I'm trying to see. Oh. Randy Johnson's rookie card also had a Marlboro cigarettes ad on it. So that was controversial that year too. Um, let's see uh, how many we're looking up how many original card was selling for a thousand at the time. I, I'm trying to find quickly here. How many? Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm just, I was just curious how many got out. Yeah. Uh, I bet. I bet it wasn't very many, Bet it wasn't. I bet it was a few hundred maybe. Well, we'll I, find, I always I always found it funny that everybody's running around and, and if you know Billy Ripken, um, everybody's working through it and going, who would do that to him? That's just, you know, it's wrong. It's brutal. And I'm like kind of looking at it going, did you ever notice that it was facing perfectly straight up? Uh, right. <laughs> I going, yeah. I was like, come on. Like, looks so, like, you know, it looks like 3000 of them got out. Wow. I did not get one. Well, and when you talk about cards now, rarity is kind of the spice of life, which again, I mean, it used to be when I was collecting kind of in my middle era, not as a kid, not as a full grown adult, but kind of in my early 20s, the jersey cards were cool and the relics and signatures and stuff. And now it's parallels and, and colors and all that stuff. You know, you get a Jason Dominguez, who's like 19 years old in the Yankee system. And he's got cards worth 20 grand because they make two of them. So um, it is what it is, but um, they made millions of these cards back in the day. And so if you've got just a common, uh, you know, Greg Jeffries card, like we'll talk about here, it's probably worth five cents. But, um, you know, it just it is what it is. When when you were playing, though, did, did a lot of the pictures and a lot of the card stuff take place in spring training? Yes. Um, Does yeah, it kind of seem we, like we, it? We would do a well. This was back in late '80s, early '90s, where it was it was picture day. You know, one day, so you'd get there early, and um, you'd just go walking through. And by by the end of it, you know, you'll you'll see some of some of my faces were just like, you know, <laughs> yeah, stone cold glare. It's seven in the morning. You know, you're killing me with all these. Um, that was some of them. You know, I, I remember it was Fleer. Might have been Fleer. I can't think of what do we got? We got Fleer, Donruss, Tops, Leaf, Pinnacle, OPG. You know what? Um, I got some of the more of the niche ones, I guess. Uh, no, I'm thinking I, I, it, I, Don I Russ, can't think of what, what it Don, was, but there, Don was, there Russ. was, yeah, there was one good one of me with like Oakley sunglasses on sitting in the dugout. Oh, that's um, cool. And then the other story that I had, and I can't think if it was a Donruss, Leaf, Fleer, but Mike Pagliarulo was sliding into home plate as a twin, mm -hmm. and it, it was the worst game of my career. I think um, I have that one. I think I saw that one while I was sorting. 
and I am sitting on top of home plate getting a wild pitch throw from Bob Melvin. <laughs> and I'm sitting on, and you know how as a kid, as a pitcher, you grew up, and I grew up sliding into home plate from the pitcher's mound and getting the throw and, and, and colliding, laying a tag, hammering somebody, whatever it was. Right. And so I did it again. And this one I'm sliding in. And I think that was <laughs> 90. That was 91. That was Memorial Stadium. We had throwback jerseys back to 1966. I gave up five runs and a third of an inning. Um, funny part was I walked out of the bullpen with a one run lead going. This might be the best stuff I've ever had in my life walking out of a bullpen. And it ended up being just an assortment of O2 ground balls that found holes. And I threw some wild pitches and I ended up just diving for wild pitches that are coming off of Bob Meldon's chest and coming back towards me on the mound, which I'd never seen before. <laughs> um, but I, I ended up, you know, it was part of the Baltimore people. As soon as I got into the clubhouse, I was like, I could tore the jersey off and put it in the trash can. Obviously, they pulled it out and they were selling it for charity. Right. But it was like I, my spikes were in the trash. My, I mean, it was just I did. I got one out. I don't know who it was before I gave up five runs. And then the next year, Peg Pegs gets traded over to us. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at him and I walked up. I shook his hand. I was like, thank you for not killing me. Because I'm, I'm, I'm basically sitting on home plate waiting for a ball and he's sliding by. He could have just, you know, this was uh, back in the contact days. He could have just taken could, my head off. He could have tied you in the next week. Yeah. And he went, he went sliding around the backside, you know, doing a head first. Wow. Um, and I just, you know, shook his hand. I was like, thanks for not killing me because you could have wiped me out. Yeah, you had a lot of career left after that, so it's a, it's a good thing you didn't have a, yeah. a David Cohn situation like uh, like last week when we heard from Mark Gubiza where it kind of slowed his his uh, his development in the minors. Um, before we get into the cards themselves, do you have a favorite set? Because for me, it's not even that glamorous of a set, but Tops ninety three is where it's at for me, and I don't know if it's because it's a, what's that? Why? I don't, I think it's probably a mix of it's one of the first sets that I collected. Uh, I remember getting Don Russ 92 or 93, but that top set, you got the Kirby pocket card with the huge baseball bat and uh, the, the Frank Thomas standing there with the bat over his shoulders, pretty iconic and pretty, pretty valuable. And it kind of was just affirmed that that was probably one of my favorite sets because I was thumbing through and found a bunch of them. And actually I bought a full set from a guy I work with for 25 bucks. And I think a handful of those cards individually are worth that much. And he kept them in pristine condition. So I've got a few that are in there. It's a, uh, you know, young Ken Griffey jr. And um, there's actually a rookie Chad Curtis. That's worth a, or Jim Edmonds, not Chad Curtis. Um, I got my outfielders mixed up there. Uh, coming attractions, Jim Edmonds, that's worth some money. And it was a nice little investment for me about a year before all those cards nice. took off. But for me, tops 93 is where it's at as far as kind of a nostalgia slash, um, you know, what I grew up on card season. Um, how about you? Do you have a specific year, whether it was either as a player or as a, as a kid? Um, well, the 85, uh, 85 tops, which okay. had the 80, 80, uh, the addition of the 84 Olympic team. So McGuire Clark, that group of players, that was most of their rookie cards. 
Yep. I think I, I found that at a trade show for like 200 bucks decade, you know, decades ago, like in 80, you know, 89, 90, when I finally got a little bit of money, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, two, it was 200 bucks. I was going, yeah, you know, there's a whole bunch of really good players in that one. Um, and I always liked the 89. I think it, it had, I think it was the first year of upper deck was 89. Okay. And so I had a rookie card in there. Griffey had a rookie card in there. I don't know if Frank Thomas's was in there. Doesn't seem like it would fit. He was 90. Um, yeah. So yeah, I like the 89 upper deck because it was kind of a cool, and that was, that was probably one or two of those goofy cards that I talked about with the shaved head or the Oakley sitting in the thing were probably upper decks. Well, I might have to cherry pick some of my, uh, my twins collection to find some of you. Um, we probably won't get any Glavins or Maddoxes unless I miss sort of, cause I put all those in a different book, but we can go through those as well, but we'll have some, <laughs> we'll have some pretty good players in here. And uh, so we're just going to go right for it. This is our stack. It looks like it's, I don't know, probably 30, 40 cards. Probably won't get through all of them. You got to be out of here in about a half hour. But again, if this idea takes off, we're going to do some bonus content on Patreon. Uh, subscribers at any level will get it along with a bunch of other stuff. So um, our first card is a Billy Joe Robidal. It looks like a Tops 87. And it says that he, oh, no, this is actually an on this date. Jim Hunter pitches a perfect game for the A's against the Twins. So that doesn't really tell us much. Um, Billy Joe Robidal born in Massachusetts in 1964. So a little bit older than you. Uh, I suspect you don't have any Billy Joe Robidow stories. I don't. Um, I'm going with the catfish hunter, though. No hitter on that date. And then uh, if I was to tell you that a Billy Joe Robidow was not born in Louisiana, I mean, how many, how many, how many, right. guesses, how many guesses would you get to get to Massachusetts? Uh, yeah, born on the bayou. If you're named Billy Joe, I almost feel like that's a, uh, that's a rite of passage. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm surprised Billy Joe Tolliver, Billy Joe, uh, uh, Armstrong, who knows, but, uh, yeah, I would not have guessed Massachusetts in probably about 30 guesses. Okay. So if he was born in 64, I was born in 66 and he was in the big leagues in 87 there. Yeah. 23 hypothetically. And that's the American league. You must've. You must have wow. just missed him. He went. He went in the June draft in '82, so he must have been a high school. Yeah, he was a high school pick. Um, left-handed, quick. Yeah, left-handed first baseman. Twenty-three homers and 132 RBIs in El Paso in '85. That'll get you to the big leagues. Wonder what happened to him because he, he wasn't. He wasn't with the Brewers in '89. Yeah. Well, the Brewers huh. had some pretty good position players back then, so maybe he got blocked. Um, oh, same set. Actually, I think we got a lot of that top set. Uh, Atlanta Braves, Andres Thomas. On this day, it says Nolan Ryan pitched a no-hitter in 1981. <laughs> uh, Boca Chica, Dominican Republic, 1963 with the Braves. You may not have seen much of him. Nope, got nothing. All right. Corey Snyder, outfielder slash shortstop with Cleveland at the time, born in 1962. Uh, I don't remember any specific stories. I'm showing it off the screen here. Uh but he played for quite a while. He'd probably have uh, some kind of story, right? He, um, my agent represented him. Okay. I think he was, I think he was one of the, one of, I don't, don't hold me on this one. I think he was one of the Olympic guys as well. I'm, I'm not sure. That's his rookie um, card, by the way. And um, was he one of the Cleveland guys that they, we talked about that Cleveland core that they didn't keep. 
before he the was, Cleveland core that they did keep with Lofton and, and Bell and all those guys. Uh, I guess Bell was part of the earlier one that just stayed. But I feel like he was one of the guys that was part of that first group that, um, you know, maybe ended up moving on a little bit. He did. I don't know where he moved on to, but he was he was represented by my agent. So I got a phone call from him while I was at Auburn. Um, and he basically was, you know, Corey Snyder, which you knew the name and was recommending my agent, Jeff Morad. Corey ended up, you know, every time I'd, we'd play Cleveland, it'd be, you know, stop over, say hello. He uh, <laughs> he is one of the guys where you 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 pick a, an arm, and you you know for the scouts it goes twenty to eighty. Corey Snyder's arm had to be about a seventy nine. He Ooh. just had a cannon from right field. Well, no wonder they list him as a shortstop and a right fielder. He was fourth in AL Rookie of the Year voting that year. In uh, I think that's eighty. What is it? Eighty eighty six. He was fourth behind Jose Canseco, Wally Joyner, and Mark Eichhorn. So pretty decent class there. Um, holy smokes. Mark Eichhorn is a reliever. Zero starts, 14 wins, a buck 72 ERA, 7.3 war. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with war, but a seven okay. war season out of the bullpen is absolutely insane. Again, 157 innings. So he pitched quite a bit, but that's still a, an incredible season. He had 157 innings out of the bullpen and 166 strikeouts. It says zero game starts, 69 appearances. That's insane, man. I've never that 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 season should be discussed a lot more because I've I've never even heard of that season from him. Side side armor, right? I think he had that goofy yeah, side he, armor. He looked, uh, yeah, low three quarters, way low three quarters. Um, yeah. Had a nice career. Just I've never that that season's astronomical. For yeah. seven war, I mean, I think my I don't I think my best war is my rookie year. It might have been like a five and a half. Yeah, right. Uh, Howard Johnson, nineteen ninety three tops. Now, oh, by the way, Corey Snyder did end up moving around a little bit. Uh, White Sox. He didn't do much after after Cleveland. Um, so this is a ninety three tops. It's all dinged up, so it might be one of my original cards from when I was a kid. Uh, Howard Johnson. Now we talked about Howard Johnson for a minute with. Uh, with Gubiza last week, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, he talked about how he couldn't even get any playing time on that stacked Tigers team in 84. Um, by the time I saw him in 92, 93, it was pretty much over for him. Um, and when people hear about Howard Johnson now, they think about hotels, I guess. But uh, pretty darn good player back in that day. He was. Um, I, I thought he was a big part of the maybe the, the 86 Mets. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, 86 um, Mets on the back of this card, 245 average, 10 homers, 220 at bats. So he was probably mixing and matching at third base with um trying to think of who would he be the other one over there at that point. Ray Knight. Uh, no. Ray Knight. Well, we're gonna look. Again, I hope people find this entertaining because it's uh it's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, Ray Knight yeah. played 137. Um, your guy Lenny Dykstra was on that team. <laughs> yeah we, well we're, we're trying to for those out there we're trying to get i'm trying to get lenny via via twitter and dms to uh to jump on our show with us and he's like uh the last comment he gave me was i don't remember the 90s so uh, 
probably doesn't remember the, then he probably definitely doesn't remember the 86 team but uh no that's what we're trying to get lenny but yeah uh, uh Hojo. and only and i only want to talk about the 93 phillies i don't want to get into any, anything that's going on after 1999 with lenny dykstra we're going to stay out of that if we can help it anyway yes. howard johnson we're talking about uh good player a uh, few 30 homer seasons probably peaked in 1991 38 homers and 117 rbis but like a lot of guys in that era fell off fairly quickly and ended up in Colorado. A little bit of a Dale Murphy vibe there. No, he was a, he was a really good player during the late eighties with the Mets. And uh, I, I think the only time if I ever faced him was, was in spring training when we'd run down to. Oh, uh, Port St. Lucie. Yep. That's probably right. Yeah. And we'd run down there from Bradenton or Sarasota, wherever the Orioles were training that year. And um, that was the only time I really ever saw him. Wait, you guys watched him on TV. You guys trained in Bradenton? Uh, it was it was actually Sarasota. Okay, because uh, I've been to Bradenton, but, and that's uh, that to me does not seem like a good location for a spring training stadium, especially the Pirates City now. That's where the Pirates are. Yeah, um, weird spot, man. Well, yeah, the Orioles were. Weird, my rookie year, 89, we uh, do two weeks in Sarasota at Twin uh, Twin Lakes, get on a bus, drive down to Miami, and do the rest of spring training down in Miami, um, which was really no bueno at that time. Sounds like you were splitting time like the Rays want to do with Montreal <clears throat> and Tampa, or St. Pete, yeah. as it were. All right, here's a fun one. Uh, a guy who was in the American League while you were and and – his career spanned almost exactly yours. 1988 Don Russ of Bobby Witt. What do you yeah. got on Bobby Witt? Yeah, I met him once or twice. Uh, obviously, son was the second pick, I believe. Yeah, that's ago. right. Bobby Jr., he might make the big leagues here very soon. Uh, didn't he already come up? No, I don't. Well, maybe he did. I know they were talking about bringing him up at the start of the year. No, he hasn't been up yet. Um People were upset he didn't make it at the beginning of the oh. year, and then he ended up not making it at all. Uh, and he's he's got a you know he's he's a young kid yet, but he's going to be one of those phenoms. Maybe not a Fernando Tatis Jr., but uh, you know one of those yeah. absolutely terrific players. He's going to make them make a tough decision on Adalberto Mondesi if he can ever stay healthy. But anyway, yeah, Bobby so Witt, good player, he really was good player. Supposed, supposed to be a heck of an athlete. You know, legend roaming around the big leagues. But, yeah, he was supposed to be a heck of an athlete. And third overall pick in 85. So, uh, another one of those top-round guys out of college, kind of like you were. He went to Oklahoma. So, uh, how was Oklahoma regarded college baseball-wise back in your day? I think they were all right. They, they were seriously overshadowed by Texas and Oklahoma State. Yeah, of course. So, you know, they were number two in their state and wasn't a big state. 140 wins, though. I mean, that's a pretty good big league career, almost 2,500 innings. So, um, yeah, B Bobby no, went around for player. quite a while. Uh, we got a tops 1985 of Jackie Gutierrez. I believe it's a, a Red Sox shortstop. Anything on him? <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, I, funny, it's funny. You've named about three or four guys. With uh, uh th that was the, the the oldest one you had, eighty five, but eighty seven, and I've never heard of him. Yeah, isn't that weird? So, and I'm in the big leagues two years, or you know, inside of a year and a half later. Yeah, it, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not quite the NFL in terms of here today, gone tomorrow, but it's not that far off. Uh, here's a good one, nineteen ninety upper deck, 
uh, Blue Jays right-hander, played for a very long time, Todd Stottlemyre. Dot. One of my, he's one of my favorites. That played might have to be a guy we get on the show, right? Maybe you think he, you think he'd jump on? He would. He would. It would be a in, very intense one hour. He was about as intense as there was. Um, played with him in '99 in Arizona. Third he overall in '85 draft in the secondary phase. So back to back third overall uh, guys with him and Witt, I think. So funny story. So Saddlemeyer, you know, always an opponent. Never talked to him. Um, then he comes over '99, and we're sitting down, and and he started the game 160 against Baltimore in 1989 <clears throat> and every Baltimore fan that's on here will know what I'm talking about. Um, Saddlemeyer starts against Jeff Ballard and Baltimore, the Orioles are about to go from last to first 88. They lost 107 games, 89. We win, you know, 87 or 89. And so it comes down to the final weekend and the blue Jays are up a game over us in Baltimore. And so the Friday night game, Stoudemire starts against Jeff Ballard. Stoudemire's first pitch of the game is a fastball. And he's, he's telling me the story. He goes, I'm doing, you know, Nuclelouche of I'm going to announce my presence with authority here. First pitch of the game. He's going to throw his best fastball of the game. And Phil Bradley covers it into like the second or third deck in, in, uh, in, in um, excuse me, in Toronto. Skydome? And, Oh, just hammered it. And, oh, and I love Stoudemire, that stadium. Is, is just looking at me going, yeah, you want something to deflate you. You go out there, you're all fired up. You're going to just best fastball the game, just announce it right here, and it just gets hammered, and it's one nothing right away. It's like uh, exit velocity. It's 95 in and 95 out, or 93 in yeah. and 93 out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he did play for a long time. Looks like injuries at the end, though. Um, you know, you see a lot of guys – and, and they don't really talk about this where it's uh, 200 innings, 200 innings, 174, and then suddenly they're down in the 60s and 70s. I think a lot of guys really wore out their arms back then. And, and again, it's not to say that this era is any, any better or worse for that, but um, my, my theory has always been that uh, baseball was war in the sense that before Tommy John surgery or before it got as good as it is now, uh, if guys got hurt, they were just kind of done. You just got kind of left by the side of the road. There wasn't this long process of, okay, you have TJ surgery in a year, you're going to be 75% as good as you were. And then it's going to progress each year after yeah. that. Um, there, the, the, the Nolan Ryans exist because uh, a, a method of survival, you know, you threw that many innings because you were the one guy who could, you know, if Nolan Ryan's arm blows out in 1960 nine or 71 um maybe we're not talking about him in the same way we're talking about him now almost certainly we're not but uh yeah it, it i think we saw that with with ben mcdonald too who was on the show a couple of weeks ago he you know just uh the workload kind of caught up to him you know there's a lot of it and you, you everybody reveres and rightly so sandy koufax and he retired after nine years and it was and you, you kind of <clears throat> I guess growing up, you look at it going, I don't understand why he didn't try to stay around, try to fight more. There weren't options. Mm -mm. You know, I blew my elbow out in 93 and this is 27 years ago. Yeah. And um, the Tommy John surgery was literally, I might never be able to throw a baseball 10 feet yeah. after I have the surgery, or I might come back and be golden. And it was literally 
this was with Frank Job, the guy who invented it. This was a 50-50 coin flip. Mm-hmm. And I chose not to do it. And I ended up tearing it again, you know, uh, eight years later. But you talk about Nolan Ryan, and he was the guy that I, I went and talked to uh, initially after I tore it. I found out through Davey Lopes, our first base coach, who played with him yep. in Houston, that Nolan had tore his elbow in 87 and pitched through it and then came back and rehabbed on his own work. You know, his work ethic was bar none. Um, and he came back the next year and ended up pitching another six years. And so Nolan Ryan was one of the, the, the key people that I spoke to all that year and in the offseason of, of workout routines, how to, how to build this thing up, how to get strong. And, um, you know, he, he was, you know, my hero for kind of walking me through all that when he didn't have to do anything. Well, hang on. 87, he'd have been 40 years old then. He, right. He, no, um, I thought he was born in 47. So that would make him, that would make him eight, uh, 40. Yeah. Let's see here. Well, I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, he he retired in 94. I think he was 46, wasn't he? Yeah, 47 uh, to 87. 40 years old, you blow out your elbow and you pitch six more years. That's a that's yeah. both that's both marvel of of like physical training, but also physical endurance and and just um. That's amazing. Yeah, I didn't uh, realize he was 40 when he did it. I was thinking, you know, wow. mid 30s and. But Lopes was telling me he'd be, you know, throwing his bullpens to start, you know, get ready for the game. And it was just like me. I, I couldn't I couldn't throw 60 feet to start out. It was like it was so miserable and so painful. I'm throwing 20 feet. And they said no one would get on the mound and go through, you know, the leg kick and basically, you know, spike it into the AstroTurf and get it to the catcher. And then slowly, slowly start building it up. But <clears throat> Unbelievable. It took, it took me, it took me an hour to warm up <clears throat> um, when I tore mine. And so it was, the Orioles knew it and they kept throwing me out there. And so the top of the seventh, I would start getting loose for the bottom of uh, the top of the night. Wow. This, this, this <laughs> is the, what, what's the pain like when you tear your elbow? I mean, obviously I've never done it and I, I assume it hurts like the Dickens, when you're trying to throw, but I mean, are you up at night with pain? Are you waking up with stiffness? Both, neither. Is it a pain that is more pronounced when you're doing the action? Take us through that. Uh, it's more, much more pronounced when you, <coughs> sorry. Wow. Um, <clears throat> I'm not getting emotional. I'm losing my voice. Oh, <coughs> um, it's uh, I, I, I described it as somebody had taken a chainsaw and cut my elbow in half and then said, hey, go, go throw a baseball. Yeah. Um, it didn't keep me up at night. It was stiff, cranky, you know, and then, like I said, you're every time that you, you know, go back to, to throw, um, you're opening up that ligament. And mine was, I think mine was like a 90% tear. Mm. So you're just every throws immense pain. And like I said, it took me an hour. It took me an hour to get to the point where I could, I could walk into a big league game when it used to take me 15 pitches. Wow. Well, here's, here's a good one, another fun one. Uh, a guy that we talked about last week. It's a 1987 tops of Brett Saberhagen. Dave's. He, uh, he and Gubaza were two of the nastiest dudes. You got them back to back with Kansas. All you did was hope that you got three, four, five when you played Kansas City in 88, 89, 90. It was like <laughs> if, if you got one and two, 
you're going, all right, we just got to find a way to win the third game, whoever that's against. Yeah, salvage the series. Um, is that another guy that I feel like his career didn't end the way he would have wanted? But, I mean, borderline Hall of Famer just, you know, towards two the times, end kind of tailed off. Cy Young. Um, actually, not so much the end of his career, the middle of his career that was a little bit shaky. And then he comes back and wins 15 ball games with the Red Sox in 1998. I didn't remember that he was oh, with wow. the Red Sox in 98 and 99. So he'd have been somewhere behind Pedro in that, uh, you know, Pedro yeah. was incredible in those years. Maybe maybe the wow. best pitching seasons of my lifetime other than maybe Maddox in 93 or 4 or whatever, or 96. I can't remember. I didn't know Sabes. Yeah, I didn't know Sabes was over there. That, I mean, I was over in the other league at that point. So you're not right. keeping track of what the Red Sox are doing. How about when, Cy, wait, Sabes won Cy Young 88 and 90, right? 85 and 89. My bad. So how, about, how about winning one when you're in your age 21 season? Where do you go from there? I mean, we talked to with, uh, with Gubiza about those guys getting spoiled with those 84, 85, whatever seasons. I mean, it doesn't get much better than a, a Cy Young and finishing 10th in the MVP and you're barely old enough to drink at the time. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, no, he was, uh, I, I, I really, there are people out there. I can't tell you enough of how good Gubazon and Saberhagen were with Kansas city in the late eighties. Oh, and they had you David know. Cohn too. Yeah. Just, just David Cohn, you know, just you know what? they got rid of, you need to look up, but they got rid of Cone. Cone wasn't there in, in 89, no, they, 90. No, they traded him to the, was he by the Mets with them? It, it, no, it was the Mets, but I'm. Oh, he, yeah. He, he barely played. Okay. So he only played in 86 with them. And then he went over to the Mets for, I'm scrolling here. So give me a second. Uh, with Chris Jellick or Yellick for Rick Anderson, Moro, Gazzo, and Ed Hearn. Um, not really sure I understand that one. Uh, and then the Mets trade him to the Blue Jays for Jeff Kent. That's that's a pretty good trade for both sides. But um, Rick Anderson, Moro, Gazzo, and Ed Hearn. I have to imagine Hearn is the get there, the catcher, right? Yeah, but that, he that wasn't trade there. makes he no was, sense. He to wasn't me. there in eight. Hearn wasn't there in '89. That was Boone. So, I mean, none of those guys were none of got no. So when I played against Kansas City in '89, none of those guys were there. Wow, that's a wow. That's, that's not a good trade, man. <laughs> that's a bad trade. That's uh, a bad trade. This one I don't think you're going to have anything on, but it's a tops '89 of uh, Braves lefty German or Herman Jimenez. Nope, got nothing. Um, well, maybe this one, Frank DePino. It's another '89 tops. Uh, he was around for, I think, a little while. He'd been around for a while at that point, was a relief pitcher. And so uh, 20 saves back in 83, it looks like, with Houston, oh, back wow. when they were in the National League. So um, yeah. I, I think I remember him kind of uh, tailing off when I started watching baseball. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, 93 was his last season. So um, he well, he's 65 now. He finished off in Kansas City in 93, so you wouldn't have. Touched up with him. Play, uh, oh, I didn't play with him. I played again. Yeah, I played against him. I'm, the, name's, <laughs> the name's familiar. But when you're facing another team's reliever, you don't really, I mean, you're already, when you're a starting pitcher, you're not facing the other starting pitcher outside of National League and they're hitting. So it, it always seemed kind of weird to me to, to frame a game as a pitcher's duel because you're both putting up zeros, but you're not facing each other specifically. Am I wrong in saying that's kind of a weird dichotomy? Now you know. I mean, I I look at it as um, you're you're in a fight with the other guy's pitcher of, of who's going to blink first. Um, 
it's like chess yeah. rather than uh, combat. Yeah, and so you know you, there are games. Well, I'll just go late, you know, late '80s, early '90s with Roger Clemens. It was going to end up being two to one, one to nothing, and you as the other guy. If if you know, I didn't start a game, but if I did, I, I got Clemens that night. Uh-huh. I can't give up anything. Well, what about you as a closer? You're no, you know that you might be working in that one run game at the end if the other guy doesn't take it the distance. Oh yeah, no, I knew I was going to be working, but I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm saying from the starting side, I'm going. I can't give up anything. Oh no, I, I, Randy yeah, yeah. Johnson or Pedro, you know that's the pitcher's dual part of it. Yeah, no, um, I, I just, I just mean specific to you though. If you're, if you're the closer, you're thinking, ha, ah, I might be in, in, uh, tasked with protecting this guy's W, and it's going to be a tight one. Oh, you know what? I it didn't matter. Every, every yeah. day I woke, every day I woke up going, you know, who knows what's going to happen today. Okay. Um, and I was ready for one run lead, no matter who, what, where, when. Got it. So now we've got a, another tops 89. We've got a run on tops 89 of Manny trio. Was that Cubs? Yep. Yep. I got Manny. nothing on Manny. I got nothing on Manny. I feel like that's a, ga- a name we've heard a lot of, but, uh, is he a coach or something? Or I, I feel like, I feel like I've heard about, oh, he played forever. The card goes back to 73 with the A's. So uh, <laughs> 73 to 89, right. and he's wearing a catching helmet. That's a that's an impressive career. Um, we got a Fleer 90. I know I have a Fleer 90 of Greg Olson, by the way. This is Joe McGrain. Joe McGrain took me out of my recruiting trip, uh, the University of Arizona in 1985. No kidding. All-American, is- All-American pitcher. He was a dude. Well, he was on that 87 team that faced the Twins in the World Series. You remember watching that World Series at all? Yeah. Good World Series. Oh, yeah. um, pales in comparison, I think, to 91 when Twins fans talk about World Series the Twins played in, which um, <laughs> if they're doing that, they run out of World Series pretty fast after 87, 91, and 65. But um, they had, uh, who else did they have in 87? I know they had uh, Bob Forsh and they had Ken Daly. I'm trying to think of who else they had back then. The offense okay. – I think Jack Clark's 87 is one of the least yeah. talked about impressive se- seasons. And I think he might've been hurt during the postseason and didn't play very much or something. Cause his 87 season, he hit 286. His on base was 459. His slugging percentage was 597. And not only did he hit 35 homers, but he walked 136 times. That's an OPS plus of 176. Boy, that, he feels like an underappreciated hitter from that era, man. He could really, really oh, he swing could it. Break. He could He was frightening, too. He was a big dude. Yep, he, was yep. fri- he was frightening at the plate. But that St. Louis team, that was Willie McGee, Ozzie <laughs> Smith. Pendleton. Yep. Um, and I'm missing the main guy. What's going on here? We had some commercials there on Jack Clark's player page. I'm sure those came across the air. Uh yeah, I don't know that he played that much in that postseason. So maybe I'm wrong. I thought he was hurt, but I could I could be completely wrong. Um, here we've got a score. Score is a set we haven't really talked about. Um, like Fleer not doing it anymore. This is a 91 Jack Doherty. Doherty. I don't know if you'd have anything on him. I First baseman. Let's see what he has. Um, Hold that card up again, please. Sure. Never had well, a reg. Never had a reg. Um, got hold it where you can see it. Never had a regular position, played all over, patient hitter, polished pinch hitter, 
four hit four oh two in the Pioneer League in nineteen eighty four. That's Wait, pretty Jack impressive. Doherty. Doherty. Texas. Yep. Yeah, remember the name a little bit. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm thinking about it. Well, oh, this is a guy you probably haven't heard of. Uh, it's a Tops 1990. It's Lou Whitaker. Sweet Lou. <laughs> How could I say that? Uh, he, he, and uh, I, I'm I'm going to make a connection here that probably won't be good. I feel like Tony Phillips was another guy that um, we didn't talk about enough. That you know, some good players where um, got overshadowed a little bit by maybe Alan Trammell or other guys they played with, but boy, Lou could really play. Well, I mean, Lou's still in the talk of why is he not in the hall of fame? Now you know, Trammell's in. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Lou, man, should, Lou, Lou should be Lou in. Lou in that short porch in right field in, in Tiger stadium was, it was uh, not fun. No, I'm sure not. Um, yeah. He can really play. And that's, uh, that's uh, when we talk about long-term double play combinations, that's, that's one of the best ones oh, you can man. bring up. Yeah, I never – he was gone by the time I got to Detroit in 96. Trammell was still there. Um, it was pretty much on the tail end there, right? Yeah, Trammell. Yeah. My funny story on uh, Whitaker was – this was 89 or 90, and, and Frank Robinson was a, a, a gut feeler. He, You know, if they had analytics, he would have gone against every one of them just based on his gut. And mm-hmm. I remember there was – we had – tie and run on second base we're playing Detroit and he has me walk Trammell to get to Whitaker that probably didn't like, happen often oh no I mean Trammell Trammell could rake and Trammell Trammell there wasn't a fastball in the inner half that Trammell didn't hit for a double mm-hmm. you just you never went in there um and so yeah he walks I'm standing on the mound I'm going you just walked a righty to get to a lefty and I was like, yeah, I get lefties out better, but it's Lou Whitaker. I'm going, what do we do? I think I got him out, too. And I just kind of walked in looking at Frank going, all right, whatever. You just, I, I have like, no idea what you're doing. I feel like that's walking Puckett to get to Herbeck, though. Like, uh, I don't, it's Yeah, it's just kind of like, we, yeah, I got the righty-righty thing. But um, back on Trammell, one of my favorite, Mike Flanagan was the uh, – a great storyteller and he would he would talk about trammel every time trammel came up and he's like going you know i think it's about five years ago i threw him a fastball in and he hit it for a double off the wall and then i, I don't go back and then it's like after about five years i go you know what i probably should bust him back in there again and then he hits another double and he goes that's why i don't go back in there and he goes i do it like every five years that's a guy who can you know who pitched for 10 or 15 years and he's going, I've been in there twice. And they're like doubles. No, it's like uh it's like voting every four years. It's a rite of passage. So yeah, um, I got to go in. Here's one, a 1993 leaf. We haven't talked about any leaf. Um, Greg Jeffries. Yeah. And I feel like I have so many cards in my collection at home here from the late eighties that are talking about how great Greg Jeffries was going to be. Um, future future hall of famer yeah future hall of famer and all that and then you look at his career stats and it just it never took off i mean he had a nice career don't get me wrong but um he was not an above league average hitter in any appreciable playing time after he was 27 um not a not a ton of power but you know he, he could really hit he had 342 in 1993 which is the uh the year of the card that we have here but i feel like it still felt like they thought he was going to be a superstar and he ended up just being merely very good. I also too, and this is just my perception as a little kid. 
I always felt like it looked like he was wearing the biggest batting helmet he could ever find on every single card <laughs> I had. I had like the Kmart rookie one in 87. And I swear it looked like he was wearing the great Gazoo's helmet from uh, from Flintstones. You pulled out Gazoo. That a boy. Not I bad. Didn't you, I didn't know if you had that in you. Well, and we talked about Flintstones and Jetsons when we did the crossover episode without you a few weeks ago. And that's what it was kind of like was the Flintstones and Jetsons meeting we were talking to the British guys on our uh, international crossover episode, but um, so Jeffries would have been in the NL most of his career. He was in Detroit late, but that was when you were in the NL. So I doubt you probably saw too much of him. Uh, Jeffries was, uh, I really didn't face him very often, but he was um, my hotel roommate on that Arizona university of Arizona trip when they had um they brought back all the old players for an alumni game. And Ron Hassey was there, Terry Francona, and Pete Rose was the honorary manager. So they brought in Greg Jeffries and me um, on our recruiting trips for that that game. And so he was my roommate. So I'd known him since 85. Sounds like someone's cooking at your house. Um, well, we turned on – the. It, it's gotten cold here in Alabama for a, a spell, about 50 and uh, I see spot. behind you, there is a broom waving underneath the fire alarm. Yeah. This is this is what happens when yeah. you record live. That was me yesterday. I made a pizza for my daughter and me while mom was driving home from work. And uh, you know what? We're real people. We have real people issues. And that's one of them. Go ahead. We turned on the gas fireplace uh, for, for the fir- for the first time. And um, smoke alarms went off and it was like, you know, I'm walking around smelling gas coming out of the fireplace. I'm like, okay, it's got a fire on it. So we got damage limited, but it's like, uh, yeah, we're in trouble. Oh boy. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's that season to start warming it up. You got time for a couple more? I know we're running yeah. up. Okay. Um, Mets 88 tops, Dave Magadan. Oof. Mags got Pull name. Up. He got name dropped in little big league when the twins were trying to clinch the, I guess it would be the Western division in the movie. And uh, um, I think it's Bowers or whoever says, Megs, I know you're a decent human being, but I hope you die like a dog because they wanted him to strike out so they could win the division <laughs> or play. I think they tied the division end up playing the Mariners in the um, tiebreaker game. And then Griffey hit a homer or something. and Or no, Griffey stole a homer from Luke Collins. Anyway, um, Megs was around for a long time. Pretty good pinch hitter, if I remember correctly. Really, yeah, no, good player, uh, hitting coach for a little while after his career. Yeah. Had an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable season. I think it was in '83 with the University of Alabama. Oh, he's a tie had, roll uh, tide. Oh no, he had a huge. I remember because they they made the College World Series, and I his season was so unbelievable. I, I mean, growing up in Omaha, I went out just to watch him play because it was. He was that good in college, solid, you know, solid overall player. Ended up pinch hitting. I think I faced him in like 99 as uh, a pinch hitter. So, way at the end of it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Last one we got, and I think it's one that's probably a pretty good one. For reference, people, we still have half a stack of our cards left with Doug Sisk at the front. We're not going to talk about Doug Sisk because uh, I don't I, I don't know if you have a Doug Sisk. Uh, I played with Doug. I played with Sisk in 88. Well, maybe we'll start with him next time. I'll keep a stack here. <laughs> we have an 80, oh, a 90 Fleer of Harold Reynolds. HR. Got thrown out by your guy, Bo Jackson, and maybe the most iconic throw in, uh, well, 
recorded MLB history, although it was only kind of recorded because they only have like half of the footage of it. Well, they got Bo at the fence, and then they got Boone catching the ball at home plate, and that is the extent of the footage. Well, I think the throw teleported, so maybe it's okay. Oh, man. Harold Reynolds is a good player. Came to Baltimore in 93 after uh, Billy Ripken left. Um, Not a bad exchange there. Two guys who can play all over. Solid dude, but Harold had the reputation of a closer killer, and it wasn't for home runs. It was always he had a runner in scoring position, man. He found a way to get a single somehow. And uh, So you were glad I to think- have that guy on your side. Yeah, I got tired Stick of, him face of him. me. I think he got, he got me like two or three times. Would you have been surprised back in the day to hear that he became a media guy and, you know, he can really, he can talk. Um, you know, some people don't like his style, but. He's well, I mean, well-spoken, uh, good baseball guy, knows what he's talking about. Yeah. It would have been, you know, I mean, I would have put um, the Ripken brothers are both doing it. And that's not mm-hmm. shocking. They both, you know, speak well, intelligent and very baseball smart. Harold, I would have thought Musina might've done it, but it's not his personality. Uh, maybe an um, Orioles thing, though. You got, you got a lot of Orioles doing it. Well, then you look at the, the press that we had. It was Ken Rosenthal. Yep. Uh, Ken, Tim Kirkjian. Mm-hmm. And then we had, uh, we had Peter Schmuck. We had Peter Justice. Richard Justice, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had an unbelievable cast of media guys that ended up turning into be, you know, national figures. Wow. So it was, um, I don't know what it was in the water there in Baltimore. That uh, might have been coming out of the harbor. Who knows? But uh, we promise to get you out of here by 10 o'clock. We're going to do exactly that. I hope people enjoyed remembering some guys with us. We'll, we'll see how the people react to it. This might become a regular feature on Patreon, maybe 10, 15-minute episodes of us just remembering some guys. Uh, we'll start with Doug Sisk next time. Was it Doug Sisk? Is that, did I say that yeah, it was Doug Sisk. We'll talk about Sisk, Sisk, yep. Sisk next time around because uh, we're running out of time here. But, hey, thanks to Brandon everyone. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you to everyone who checked us out this week on that 90s baseball pod powered by Access Twins, and we'll catch you again in a week. Peace. See ya.